0: Welcome to the Susquehanna Valley Baptist pulpit, preaching a life worth living, abundant life in Christ, and now the message. Let's draw our attention, Revelation chapter number six. Revelation chapter number six. Uh, notice, if you will, in verse twelve. I want to read down to verse number seventeen. And I behold, I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as the sackcloth of hair. And the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their place. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, And the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? Thus ends the reading of Revelation chapter six. Notice, if you will, on your study guide, uh, the seal judgments part three, we have come to the sixth seal judgment. The particular judgment, this particular judgment, has greater detail than the preceding judgments. However, it is one of the most disputed of these seal judgments. Much of this judgment has to do, or much of this dispute, I should say, has to do with two specific areas. You'll notice the detail first in verses 12 through 17. There's great detail about the various events. Even if you just look at the substance of the verses, you'll notice for the first writer... Through the fourth writer, you're only using about two verses a piece, And you come down, of course, to the fifth seal. That's three verses. But this sixth seal takes up a grand total of almost five verses in totality. So there's a tremendous amount more covered in the sixth seal by way of uh, getting insight than we do in the previous one. But two areas of dispute that exist. Number one is uh, the area of dispute regarding whether or not it is literal or fugitive. Is this judgment literal or figurative is it literal or figurative there though there is simile contained in this passage let me show you that simile is any time that there is a comparison given it's usually denoted in our grammar by like or as and you can see in verse number 12 the Sun became black what's the phrase as sackcloth um, the the tents of Kedar in the old testament were made of this type uh, sackcloth was a morning clothing morning not in the morning but mourning something you did with great uh, uh, seeking for solace but it was a morning cl- cloth that was often worn that's what he's saying he's not saying in the scripture that it became sackcloth rather that it became black as something it's a simile that is used. Another one you'll find is in verse number, uh, well, verse number 12, the moon became as blood. Does he say the moon became blood? No, if he said the moon became blood, that would be literal. Simile is using a part of speech or using speech in a way to bring about uh the mind's picture it became as blood look in verse 13 here's an interesting one the stars of the heaven fell unto the earth even as fig trees casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind now i had to research this one a little bit what does that mean Um, i have very little experience with fig trees Uh, but the idea of the fig tree is they are late um, maybe autumn type blooms that occur on these fig trees they're never going to have the opportunity to ripen. And so they will stay there on the vine unripened, on the tree unripened. Then winter occurs, said figs have died. And so when a stiff wind comes through, they have nothing to keep them attached to the tree because it's dead. What will happen? That wind will blow and then they all pop, 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 upon the ground. That's the simile that he uses. These stars are going to fall in rapid succession with great pulsation upon the surface of the earth. And you can note that. So when you think of this judgment in particular, there is figurative language here. And so some have used this as an idea to say because it's figurative, none of this is to be taken literal. Uh, We believe, however, that this is a literal event, that when God said there's going to be an earthquake, a great earthquake, a seismos, there will be a great earthquake. As such, perhaps the world has never seen. When he talks about the sun becoming black, and then we believe that the sun will become black. When he talks about the moon turning red as blood, that it will become red as blood. When he speaks of uh, some type of celestial uh, uh, thing, the stars falling upon earth, that that will literally occur. We believe the simile is the reference by which we can imagine its occurrence, but it is not a reference as to what might occur. Some look at this and when they talk about um, suns becoming black or moons becoming like red or stars falling, they go about and they make reference to people. And they'll talk about the sun. Well, that's a center of a, that's someone of great magnitude. And then the moon, that's someone of lesser magnitude. And the stars, that's just a lot of population of people in important cities. And they make this up. But we hold to the reference that exception for where there is simile, that these events will literally uh, occur. The second area deals with the timing of the judgment. The timing of the judgment. In keeping with the Old Testament Proverbs, and in matthew chapter 24 and verse 29 we believe that it that is the sixth judgment will occur in the last half of the tribulational period likely it will occur just before the final coming of christ with his saints joel 2 and zephaniah chapter 1 isaiah several places mentions a judgment that will occur toward the day of the lord in reference likened to the sixth seal This judgment will be the final precursor that will accelerate unto the final judgments and ultimately the appearing of that great God and Savior at the end of the Revelational book. Uh, Now, in this particular sixth seal, there are six judgments, six specific judgments that occur. Let's touch on some of these. The first of those is found in verse number 12, and he mentions a great earthquake. We share this with you. Uh, The word great in the Greek is mega, mega. So you have, not mega, not mega, but mega. You have a massive earthquake that occurs. Now, there are several earthquakes mentioned during the revelational period. You have this one here in Revelation chapter 6 uh, and verse 12. You also have earthquakes that are mentioned uh, in other places preceding, and Matthew 24 talks about there being earthquakes present as well. Um, You have a reference of an earthquake in chapter 8 and verse 5 with the trumpet judgments, chapter 11 and verse 3, and keeping in chapter 11, you'll find one in verse number 19 and uh, verse number 16, Uh, or rather in chapter 16 and verses 17 through 20, you have another reference of an earthquake. The word earthquake, seismos, and this is an important thing, it means in the New Testament, shaking, shaking. And this shaking can apply to air, sea, or land. Uh, For instance, over in the Gospel of Matthew, The Gospel of Matthew, I'm I'm going to turn to a different passage here. But in the Gospel of Matthew, you have the disciples, and they're out upon the vessel, uh, upon the uh, Sea of Galilee, and there is a great, do you remember what arose? Tempest that arose. That tempest is a shaking. And now, that's not to say that they were in an earthquake, but that is the experience they had. Uh, Listen to these verses from the prophet Haggai chapter 2, he said, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry lands. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. This earthquake is a shaking that has greatly impacted all of terra firma. Um, there will be, in this sixth seal judgment, a coming earthquake that will cause the entire world now, there's a lot of speculation as to what caused said earthquake. I'm not really going to delve into that this morning. Suffice it to say that there will be an earthquake that will occur, that the entire world, even after experiencing many tremors and earthquakes, it will capture the entire attention of all of the world when this civil judgment happens. That will be how violent this earthquake will be. Notice the second one portion of this judgment is that of the sun becoming black the sun becoming black elsewhere in scripture the sun becomes darkened Uh, that's a reference there matthew 27 and verse 45 exodus chapter 10 and verse 21 that was a judgment against pharaoh in egypt the sun became darkened here it's black now maybe there's little distinction there or greater distinction at this time in the sixth seal judgment it seems, too, that the sun is obfuscated by the upheaval that has been created by this earthquake. This darkening of the sun will occur again during the tribulation. And I would note our passage of Revelation chapter 8, and verse 12, dealing again with the trumpet judgment. It also follows a great earthquake. Chapter 9 and verse 10 and chapter 16 and verse 10. I'm not necessarily saying that the sun becoming black has to follow the fact that there's a grand earthquake, but I am saying that if there was a grand earthquake and all of the ash and smoke ascended from the ground, it would cause, particularly if it's a worldwide earthquake, it would cause the sun to be darkened. But yet I am also not saying uh, that that means that is the only way that it must happen. It can be a divine thing that occurs As well Um, the third judgment is the moon becomes as blood the same in the illustration with the Sun Uh, it seems to be that this earthquake or perhaps uh, the uh, Sun becoming black uh, now no longer able to reflect uh, the light uh, that the moon needs to uh, will create a blood-colored presence Uh, The moon is later darkened in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 12. Um, Again, a third of it, I guess, is darkened. The scripture says there in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 12. So we can see how all of this could, emphasis could occur. There's an earthquake, the debris causes one to be darkened and the other one to be tainted like under red. Uh, My emphasis that I would like to leave you with is many years ago, you had these blood moon signs. Do you remember that? Blood moon signs and those that bolt into so much of that look that they're being uh, apocalyptic type signs. These blood moons, and this is one of the passages that often went to. There will be many, many um, times in which the moon is affected in judgment during the tribulational period, but nowhere in Scripture does God have us looking for blue moons to determine His coming or of the coming judgment. But this is the third part of this seal, the moon as blood. A fourth one is the stars of heaven fell to the ground. The stars of heaven fell to the ground. Now this one is quite interesting. Uh, The word for star is aster, aster. And the word star is used in a number of ways throughout the scriptures. For instance, in Revelation chapter 22 and verse six, the Lord is referred to as the, morning star the Lord is referred to as the morning star Joseph's uh, brothers were referred to as stars in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 9 in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20 pastors are of uh, churches are referred to as stars in Job 38 verse 7 and also in Revelation chapter 9 angels slash demons are referred to as stars When referencing celestial entities, this word aster, star, never includes the sun nor the moon. Nowhere in Scripture is the sun and the moon referred to as stars. This is quite important. It's often how we hear in our uh, description of spatial entities. We'll talk about the sun being a star. But nowhere in the Bible is the sun ever confused with a star. However, this word star does not always singularly mean those little blinky things throughout that are found throughout space, particularly in other galaxies. Um, hence, it very well could be, because it fits with the etymology of the word, that these stars that are falling are comets, comets and i put this definition in there just as a, a reference uh, to help us remember but a comet is an isis body that is releasing gas as it moves through space and usually has an orbitory type uh, movement it could be meteoroids uh, that is a fragment a rocky fragment of an asteroid sometimes of a comet or sometimes of a planet and they are referred to as a meteor when they are passing through an atmosphere and a meteorite when they reach the ground. I saw recently a fellow had water that was blocked. Did you see this? Had water that was blocked in his gutter. And so he's cleaning it out and he found this big rock in there. It was a funny looking rock. It was a remnant of a meteorite. It had broken up and a piece of it had hit his house and rolled down into his gutter and he has saved this thing, I would too, man. I would, that is a story for sure, the interest with it. But it's a meteorite when it hits the ground. They equally, comet, meteorite, but they also could be an asteroid, an asteroid. These are rocky bodies, smaller than planets, that are in orbit. Now, one of the reasons why I don't think that it is those blinky things that you and I see way off in the distance, one of the reasons is uh, because they are still in existence later in the tribulation. In fact, when you come to the trumpet judgments, Revelation chapter 8 and verse 12, they are present there as well, for some of them are later darkened. So I, I think when you look at the stars of heaven fail, if you interpret that in a literal sense and you think about the stars of the heaven, then you've got a, he doesn't say how many of them, so you would assume that's all of them, but they're still present two chapters later. Another note that I'll give you is Psalm 148, and it talks about the stars in their creation forever for the purpose of glorifying God. And so when you look at this matter, I think you could see some of these as judgment, but not necessarily using these stars that we would define it as judgment. But nevertheless, in the sixth seal, you have the stars of heaven falling. Notice, if you will, the, uh, the fifth one, the fifth one here. It's an interesting one. He says in verse 14, and the heavens departed as a scroll. The heavens departed as a scroll. Uh, this was prophesied in the Old Testament. Isaiah 34 and verse four uses this language fairly closely. Uh, this is not the same as the final dissolving of the heavens and earth that occur just before eternity. Peter mentions this in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, that the heavens and the earth shall melt away with a fervent heat. That's not the sixth sealed judgment. They're different in their distinction. Um, that idea of the heavens and earth melting away, uh, that occurs much later on. And it's mentioned not only in 2 Peter chapter 3, but it's reference given in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1 as well. Uh, he said, and I saw a great white throne and the heavens and the earth had passed away it's like an uncreation there's nothing present and there's the great white throne judgment that is thereby given uh, so we get to the point of what this is because again um the heavens going to part the firmament uh this could be the uh, atmospheric heaven that we have and the spatial heaven that exists beyond that we know that there's three heavens in scripture that is mentioned It's interesting when you get to the stars of heaven falling the heavens departing, It it, there is quite interesting. I've got commentaries that write a number of things on one matter, and then they get to this, and they just skip right over to another passage. And so I'm doing my utmost, but there is a literal view to this. So the heavens departing as a scroll. Now, one thing I know for certain, it will not be what I imagine as a scroll opening. Why? Because it is as a scroll. That is the simile that is present but there seems to be a departure from the normal perspective that humanity has when we look up. And why shouldn't there be? The sun's been darkened, the moon's become as blood. And you've got celestial bodies that are impacting the earth and the scripture says, like a fig tree, like those winter figs, you know, stiff wind comes and they are hammering, just absolutely hammering the essence of the earth. I would tell you that that would create great problems Uh, for our earth she would be groaning to a higher degree so it seems that it may be that the observations of the heavens have now due to this earthquake and these impacts that exist they have begun to falter back and forth they begin to move in opposite direction because of the direct damage that has been done to the earth equally it has been suggested that it may be the closing down of two heavens It may give humanity the opportunity to look into the edge of the third heaven and to see the glory of God absolutely revealed. This would bring about the truth of what you find in verse number 16. Notice verse 16. They go, all of these individuals go into the mountains and the rocks. They say, fall on us. And why do they want it to fall on them? It is not that they are looking for death. They want to be hid from the face, the Him that sits on the... What throne are they referencing? They're not talking about Wall Street or K Street. They're not talking about um, uh, Moscow or Beijing. They're not talking about the Hague. They're talking about the Lamb that is sitting and the wrath of the Lamb. And the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? It has been supposed that there is literally the rolling away of the firmament that is above the earth and the rolling away of the space that is beyond that to the revelation of the very throne of the Almighty God and the presence of the glory that comes from His diadem, His throne, causing all humanity to be in utter angst. The sixth portion of this seal, and it keeps in fitting with the earthquakes, and the seismic activity and the stars, of the heavens, the movement that exists, it says the mountains and the islands were moved. Uh, it should be noted that islands are nothing more than submerged mountains, uh, mountains that ascend from the base, the depths of the deep. It says they're moved. You actually have here a slippage of the earth's crust. I mean, this has not happened really in the same sense, since the time of God's judgment, wait a minute, since the time of God's last worldwide judgment in the flood of Noah's day. Prior to Noah's day, the world was different. We talk about having seven continents, and when I was growing up, we had four oceans, but now we have five oceans, you know. But the reality was that during the time of Noah's flood, The fountains of the deep, the Scripture says, were broken up. And you have the dividing of the continents that exist now. That's how you get the continents that we have. Prior to Noah's day, it's far likely. Creationists would hold, and even some secular humanists would hold to the fact that there was a supercontinent before that was all connected But due to the flood, the breaking up, you have the movement that exists. And that seems the imagery that is given here. The fountains of the mountains were moved from their Nohican placement. So great is the calamity of this judgment that impacts every sociological demographic. He's going to mention here seven groupings of humanity. It really touches upon all the inhabitants of the earth. The first of them he speaks of is the kings of the earth the kings of the earth. This is your dictators. These are your political rulers. And there'll be a number of them. We sometimes have the idea that the Antichrist is the only authority on earth. And when that comes in conversation to me, I often like to ask a question, who is he fighting at the Battle of Armageddon? Who does he start fighting? He's, got, he's not fighting himself. He's fighting another world entity. He is never really the ruler Uh, uh, the exclusive ruler of the earth. There are other kings that exist. In fact, he is the head of a ten-kingdom confederacy, and there'll be a totality of seven kings that will rule that. These are dictators, political rulers of the world. He speaks of great men, of great men. We could think of this as advisory powers, which direct kingdoms. You might would look at this in some regards as being Governors you might look at this as being cabinet minister. You might look at this as being lieutenants uh, Things of that nature. He speaks of the rich men. These are financial magnates. These are individuals which manipulate world powers uh, I often think of uh, the Bilderbergers, you know, they have that great financial enclave once or twice a year It's a highly exclusive group, but one thing they all have in common they have great wealth great wealth that exists all the rich men, the chief captains, the chief captains. These are the military leaders. These are the generals which lead all of the armies of the kings and great men and rich men. You have the mighty men. These are the leaders in the world system that facilitate. He says every bondman. I find it interesting. You've got debtors that will exist even during the tribulational period. Isn't that interesting? and their liberties will be hindered because of their financial debt that exists. And you've got every free man, those in the lower class, if you will, that are financially stable. Each of these, all of these, gather together in great fear of the wrath of the Lamb of God. Now that is something truly to behold. But it would seem that this sixth seal manages to get the attention of not just a group of people, but to every inhabitant upon the earth. And there are so many, so many thoughts that will come to mind. I read an article this week that out in, outside of the Black Hills, you're familiar with, I always get my Dakotas mixed up, but out in the Black Hills, there's a group. It used to be a place in World War II that we hid deep, uh, deep in the ground. We hid uh, our explosive devices, particularly in the Cold War years and they have bounced around and there's this group out of uh, silicon valley i think there's probably some rich people that live there and they have bought all this and they lease it out and you can rent one of these and you can use it as your permanent house it's a bomb it's an upscale bomb shelter is what it is they're hundreds of miles from any military point that an adversary would ever seek to it at uh, to seek to attack and just in case you're looking for that kind of real estate because you can also use it as a vacation home it, uh, the cost is fifty thousand dollars up front, and I believe it's a reasonable eleven $1, hundred dollars a month and You can go there you have four hundred square feet of illicit underground safe safe um, bomb shelter available for your use so if you you've been looking for that for this time of the apocalypse i will uh I'll send you the link and you can that's a joke folks you're not going to be here for it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these men they're not looking for their bomb shelters. Fear has gripped their soul. It's interesting. This phrase, "The day of his wrath has come," is a key eschatological phrase. One may look at the many prophecies of the Old Testament, in particular, with a near-far perspective. Meaning that when God gives a prophecy, He's talking about the day of the Lord as a judgment of right now, but often it overshadows something that is yet to come. That would be true in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah chapter 14 as well. The day of the Lord is no different. Old Testament prophecy spoke of it in this manner. Equally, it may be seen as an actual day or also as a season of time. We think about the day of the Lord, we could talk about the day of the Lord coming. The pro, the Peter mentions this in Second Peter, as a thief in the... Do you remember that? I would note that he's not talking about the rapture. He's talking about how from that sixth seal judgment forward, but particular to his return, that time will come quicker than they could ever imagine it was coming. They had taken all of the judgments, the previous five that God had given them. And yet the scripture says, like it was in the day of Noah, they went about with their feasting and their marriages and their given and marriages. And then those final judgments came and the Son of Man appeared. It is also proper to view the actual day of His final return in Revelation 19 as the day of the Lord. This six-sealed judgment is one of grand cosmic disturbance that resonates to every inhabitant of earth. These inhabitants of earth, they fear the wrath of the Lamb, and they seek to hide from Him. And they will pray to the gods of nature, all the while rejecting the God of heaven. Let me just make one more comment. It's quite interesting as they note that this judgment and the preceding ones are from the Almighty God. It's God that has loosened every seal. Every seal is a divine judgment upon the unbeliever. Isn't it interesting? The line has been drawn. You've got that group that seeks to hide from the wrath of God and the other group are those that are hid in the person of God. The battle lines are clearly drawn setting up the concluding day will he will come and claim victory. I think of Psalm 2. He shall laugh. He shall have them in derision. He shall vex them. Such is this covenant. My Father. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us, please write us at P.O. Box 126-541, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. 17112 and visit our website at www.svbcpa.org until next time